we're in Daniel chapter 5 today. And Daniel chapter 5, from, from chapter 4 to 5, it jumps over a big span of time. Um, and kind of like the narrative has all changed. Um, we have different, a different king that, that Daniel's interacting with. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar is no longer on the scene. So chapter 4 kind of uh, brought us to the end of Nebuchadnezzar's uh, reign as, as he uh, came to the conclusion and he finally figured out who God was and got the big picture. Um, but we, we jump over a good bit. And the, in the Bible, it, it's not really given us um, the, the whole chronological storyline um, to help us understand everything that's going on because basically what, what Daniel's focused on doing here is just giving us this account of what happened, of God at work. Uh, but sometimes I think for us it's helpful for us to kind of know a little bit of the backstory, a little bit of what's going on outside of this and how we got to, to where we are um, in this passage. Uh, and so, so, yes, Nebuchadnezzar, no longer king. Um, Nebuchadnezzar had a very poor uh, succession plan um, as a king uh, because basically what happened was his son took over, uh, and then his son-in-law killed his son to take over, and then somebody else killed that son-in-law to take over, and then somebody else was king for like two months, and they said, you're out of here. Um, and so, so, yeah, it's just like... In a few years span, uh, Babylon had just king after king after king. And, uh, and so as we, we look at that um, through history, there is, there is for a long time in history, people knew um, kind of the rough outline of Babylon's history. Uh, and they, they would look at this story in the Bible and they would say it doesn't match up. They, it's talking about this Belshazzar guy. Um, in, in Daniel 5 here, and they said, no, the, the Babylonian history doesn't have Belshazzar as king when the Syrians come and take over. Uh, they have a guy named, let me find it, Nabonidas, N-A-B-O-N-I-D-A-S. How do you say that? Exactly. All right. Uh, so let's just call him N. All right. Um, so N was another one of Nebuchadnezzar's son-in-laws. He had married one of Nebuchadnezzar's daughters. And, uh, and so for the longest time, they just thought N was the, the king when Syria came. And so therefore, then they look at, at Daniel 5 and they say, yeah, this isn't factual. This doesn't measure up with history. Um, but as archaeologists and historians have done more digging into Babylonian history, they actually found a lot of writing about this Belshazzar guy. And what they figured out now is Belshazzar was the son of In. Um, and so wh what they did was this. I don't know why, but for some reason, after a couple years of reigning in Babylon, In decided, hey, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go live at the beach house. All right? Um, so he left Babylon to go live in a different part of the kingdom. Um, so there's different theories as to why he did this. Um, some think that, well, for his health, the weather was better in this other part of the kingdom. Um, some think that, uh, well, he kind of saw how everybody who was king in Babylon kept getting killed. So he decided it was time to leave. Um, you know, that might be a scenario that was, that was factual. Uh, the area he did go and live in was a major trade route. Uh, for the kingdom. Um, so there's some people think that, well, he went there to kind of oversee the trades and, and that kind of stuff to make sure that the, 
economy and all for the kingdoms going well. But when he left Babylon, what he did was he took his son and he put his son in charge. Um, and he said, and so the, basically the two of them were kind of co-reigning over Babylon uh, for a, a period of time, okay? And so Belshazzar uh, was in charge over the city of Babylon and the province of Babylon, and it, everybody would refer to him as the king because he was the guy, he was the one calling the shots, okay? So when Daniel 5 comes into play, at this point, the Syrian army is surrounding Babylon. Uh, and you might remember I, I talked about Nebuchadnezzar's accomplishments in the city that he built. Uh, but Babylon was very well fortified. Um, it had a big exterior wall. It had interior walls. And it had the Euphrates re- River running through it. So they basically were like, hey, you can lay siege to us all you want. We can hang out inside the walls. Nothing you can do. We've got our water coming in. We have our food. We're good. We don't have to worry about you out there. Okay. And so that's, that's the setting when Daniel 5 happens, is there, there's an army outside the walls, all right? And then we're looking at what Belshazzar and the people inside the walls are doing. What would you expect a king to be doing while his city is being attacked? Defensive strategies, like fighting back. Um, Well, Belshazzar decides, you know what we need? We need a party, all right? So we get to see Belshazzar's party here in Daniel chapter 5. So let's jump in to what it says. So King Belshazzar made a great feast for a thousand of his lords and drank wine in front of the thousand. So it's like, yeah, we're just going to party it up, guys. And Belshazzar, when he tasted the wine, commanded that the vessels of gold and of silver that Nebuchadnezzar his father had taken out of the temple in Jerusalem be brought, that the king and his lords, his wives, and his concubines might drink from them. Then they brought in the golden vessels that had been taken out of the temple in the house of God in Jerusalem. And the king and his lords and his wives and the concubines drank from them, and they drank wine and praised the gods of gold and silver and bronze and iron and wood and and stone. And so we see Belshazzar here. And, you know, we can kind of laugh at him and laugh at, like, well, what he should be doing and what he's doing. But I can actually put myself in a mindset where I can rationalize what he's doing here. Think about it. He's like, hey, you know what we need? We need to get morale up. People are a little, little depressed. you got to stay in the gates right now. So we, need, we just need to build up morale in the city. So we're going to have a big feast. We're going to have a party. Um, I'm going to crack open the wine cellar. We're, gonna, we're just going to have fun. Oh, in the middle of it, you know, you know what would be good for us to bring morale up? Let's be reminded of when Nebuchadnezzar conquered Jerusalem, right? Let's, let's just think about that. So, hey, let's bring in those golden and silver, all the, these, these things that came from their temple. And that'll remind us of how great we are as Babylon, um, that we don't have to worry about these silly Assyrians out here. Because look, like we've conquered all these other kingdoms before. Um, not, not that big a deal, right? So when you take a minute to think about it, you can kind of understand from a human perspective where he's coming from. And as I read this, it, what, the verse that kept coming to mind for me, is the, is the verse that, that ends the book of Judges. And Judges 21, 25, where it says, 
everyone did what was right in his own eyes. I think Belshazzar is doing what, what he thinks is right in his own eyes. And you know what else? He's having fun. He's having fun. But when we read it now and when we look at, at what the rest of the story says, what we clearly see is that it is sin. That what he is doing is against God. It's against God's will, against what God wants. And what we can learn from this is the fact that, yeah, when we do what's right in our own eyes, a lot of times that's contrary to what God wants. But here's the other thing. A lot of times, it's a whole lot of fun. Sin is fun for a little while. It is. If it wasn't, nobody would do it, right? Like, sin is fun for a little while. And so, you know, especially when I was a youth pastor, I'd, you know, talking to teenagers and say, well, what, is it really that big a deal about this? I'm like, well, it is fun for a little while. And then you're going to reap the consequences. You're going to reap the, 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 the situations that's going to come from going against what God says. And so, so yes, don't, don't, if anybody tells you that sin's not fun, well, they're lying to you and that's a sin. So they must be having fun lying to you. So, um, but yeah, sin is fun for a little while. But what we're going to see here in the rest of Daniel 5 is that little while doesn't last very long. So moving on in Daniel 5, it says this. Immediately, the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall in the king's palace, opposite the lampstand. And the king saw the hand as it wrote. All right. So you're in the morale-boosting party where everybody's getting a little tipsy. And all of a sudden, a hand shows up and starts writing on the wall. This would probably flip you out a little bit. <laughs> then the king's color changed, and his thoughts alarmed him. His limbs gave way, and his knees knocked together. And the king called loudly to bring in the enchanters, the Chaldeans, the astrologers. The, de the, the king declared to the wise men of Babylon, whoever reads the writing and shows me its interpretation shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around his neck and shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Why third? Because he and his dad are one and two, right? So that's where the Bible completely matches up with what we see from history. Then all the king's wise men came in, but they could not read the writing or make known to the king the interpretation. Then King Belshazzar was greatly alarmed, and his color changed, and his, and his lords were perplexed. So they're freaking out. They're like, we do not know what is going on here. This is crazy. Um, this is scary. Somebody help me. Well, then enter the queen. We don't know who this the queen is. Um, it could have been Belshazzar's mom, who was Nebuchadnezzar's daughter, or it could have been like Nebuchadnezzar's queen. His, his wife could have possibly still been around. Regardless, what we're going to see from her is she intimately knew what we've seen in the first, uh, first four chapters of Daniel uh, with Daniel's inter interaction with Nebuchadnezzar throughout time. So the queen, because of the words of the king and his lords, came into the banquet hall. And the queen declared, O king, live forever. Let not your thoughts alarm you or your color change. There is a man in your kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. In the days of your father, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods, were found in him. 
And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father the king, made him chief of the magicians, enchanters, Chaldeans, and astrologers. Because an excellent spirit, knowledge, and understanding to interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve problems were found in this Daniel, whom the king named Belteshazzar. Now, let Daniel be called, and he will show the interpretation. So the queen, queen mother comes in. She's like, hey, calm down. Don't freak out. We got Daniel, right? Everything's going to be okay. Um, he's gonna, he, he'll make this clear to you. He'll show you what's going on here. So then Daniel was brought in before the king, and the king answered and said to Daniel, You are that Daniel, one of the exiles of Judah, whom the king my father brought from Judah. I have heard of you that the spirit of the gods is in you, and that light and understanding and excellent wisdom are found in you. Now, the wise men, the enchanters, have been brought in before me to read this writing, have been made known to me its interpretation, but they could not show the interpretation of the matter. But I have heard that you can give interpretations and solve problems. Now, if you can read the writing and make known to me its interpretation, you shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around your neck and shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. All right, so Daniel has offered once again these great rewards if he can solve this supernatural thing that has happened. Do you guys remember how Daniel always talked to Nebuchadnezzar? He was always very respectful, long lived the king, very peaceful in his approach to Nebuchadnezzar. We're going to see a whole new Daniel here. Um, I think part of that is this is probably a 70 or 80 year old Daniel at this point. Um, This is a 70 or 80 year old Daniel who uh, for whatever reason, is no longer in a prominent place of service, right? Because, I mean, the, the top thousand of the, guy, of the king's guys were all brought into this party, and Daniel's not there, right? Um, and so we see a different Daniel here. Then Daniel answered and said before the king, let your gifts be for yourself and give your rewards to another. He's like, I don't want any part of it. Nevertheless, I will read the writing to the king and make known to him the interpretation. O king, the most high God, gave Nebuchadnezzar your father kingship and greatness and glory and majesty. Because of the greatness that he gave him, all peoples, nations, and languages trembled and feared before him. Whom he would, he killed. And whom he would, he kept alive. Whom he would, he raised up. And whom he would, he humbled. But when his heart was lifted up and his spirit was hardened so that he dealt proudly, he was brought down from his kingly throne and his glory was taken from him. He was driven from among the children of mankind and his mind was made like that of a beast and his dwelling was with the wild donkeys. He was fed grass like an ox and his body was wet with the dew of heaven until he knew that the most high God rules the kingdom of mankind and sets over it whom he will. And you, his son, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, though you knew all this. But you have lifted up yourself against the Lord of heaven. And the vessels of his house have been brought in before you. And you and your lords and your wives and your concubines have drunk wine from them. And you have praised the gods of silver and gold, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which do not see or hear or know. But the God in whose hand is your breath, And whose are all your ways you have not honored. Then from his presence the hand was sent. And this writing was inscribed. And this is the writing that was inscribed. 
mine, mine, tekel, parson. This is the interpretation of the matter. Mine, God has numbered the days of your kingdom and brought it to an end. Tekel, you have been weighed in the balances and found wanting. Paris, your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. And so what we see here is the fact that first God shows up and he pronounces judgment on sin. This is something that we should expect. Yes, sin is fine for a while, but what we know is going to happen is God's going to show up and he's going to pronounce judgment on sin. That's what God does here with Belshazzar. I mean, you, you think you probably put the pieces together. Hey, yeah, King Nebuchadnezzar, he never used these golden objects. You know what I think we should do? Let's pull them out. We pull them out. We start using them. What happens? A hand shows up and writes on the wall. This is probably not good for us. Right? And God will show up and he will pronounce judgment. And he pronounces judgment on Belshazzar here. And what we see is Daniel coming and offering that interpretation and giving this bad news of the fact that, that Belshazzar has been commanded, that he has, he's been judged. Um, and here's, here's the, the thing. We're all going to face judgment. And I've done this illustration before, and I am not original to this illustration um, because uh, Steve Bateman, who came up and did our uh, study of Job, our grow series, this uh, uh, grow conference this last year, uh, he, I got this from him. Uh, but when he came, I mean, he had the file folders, but he didn't do it. And so I, I, I asked you guys, like, hey, do you guys know what he was going to do? And, like, Ben was the only person who's like, yeah, I think that looks familiar. Uh, I was like, well, I get to do this illustration a lot more um, because obviously you're not remembering it. Um, and so I've done it once since then, which apparently it made more of an impression that time because uh, as I was pulling out this morning, Steve told me, he's like, Wayne, you need to get new material. Um, <laughs> So, uh, but here, here's the deal. Um, if you can do it yourself, if you do this illustration yourself, then I'll, 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 I'll get a new one, okay? Uh, so once you all know how to do this and show somebody else this yourself, then uh, I'll find a new, new illustration to replace it. But all right, here's the deal. We all know that we're going to face judgment. We're going to stand before God, and he's going to judge us, just like he does Belshazzar here. And what we think is going to happen is we, we have basically our file folder, right? And we, in our file folder, we, we want, like, you know, well, I do some good stuff, right? Like, I do some good stuff for God. I, I, I'm, I'm a good person. But every now and then, I have a little, little bad stuff that kind of slips into. Um, so what the, what the human condition thinks and what most religions in the world say is, well, what you want to have happen is you just want enough good stuff in your folder to outweigh the bad stuff, right? Um, so that when you're judged, it will be said like, oh, well, look at all the good. That, that, yeah, the bad's in there too, but there's enough good to outweigh it, right? But the fact is what Scripture tells us is that the wages of sin is death. And so what that means is that when God pulls my file and he finds this, that he has to judge it because he's the perfect judge. And sadly, many people in the world today and many of us today, as he pulls our file, he will see our bad 
He'll see the, the bad things that we have done, the things we have done that are sin, things that are against him. And he'll have to judge those things or else he isn't a good God or else he isn't a just judge. And so when he does that, when he pulls that file and when he judges us for those things, he will have to punish us. He will have to give us the verdict of guilty. He will have to send us to hell for punishment. That's what scripture tells us. That's what he's revealed to us in his word. Sadly, many of us worry that we will be like Belshazzar and the words here will apply to us that you have been weighed, you have been measured, and you have been found wanting. But the good news is, and what we know from the rest of the scripture, is that it's not all on us. Because there's another file. And that's the file of Jesus Christ. And Jesus came, and in his file, there's no block. There's no sin. He never messed up. He never sinned. He never did anything wrong. In fact, he lived a completely perfect and holy life. And yet, what he got for that was death. He gave his blood. He died on a cross, paying the punishment for sin. Scripture says the wages of sin is death. Well, that means what we deserve for sin is death. Jesus never sinned, so he didn't deserve death. And yet he died, it, died anyway. He died so that what he could do is take my sin, take all of my black, and put it on him. And when he does that, his blood covers it, and it all goes away. Scripture tells us that he removes it as far as the east is from the west. That is gone. We don't have to worry about it anymore. In fact, Scripture talks about those of us who know Jesus, those of us who have been washed by his blood, as we are in Christ Jesus. So that in fact, when, when we die, when we go and stand before God, and he pulls our file, you know what he says? You know what he sees? He sees Jesus. This is the great exchange. This is the great reward of getting to follow Christ and be with him, is because when we die, when we have to face judgment, we don't stand there based on our own merit. We stand there based on his. And in his, there is nothing found but goodness. And so I challenge you today, are you in Christ Jesus? Are you like Belshazzar doing it on your own? Belshazzar was doing what he thought was right in his own eyes. And we see how bad that was. Each of us left on our own, we do what we think is right in our own eyes. But what we can have is what is ultimately right. And that is the purity and goodness that's found in Jesus Christ. And so, I challenge you with that today. Do you know Jesus? Have you asked him to be your Lord and Savior? Have you experienced forgiveness that's found in him and the new life that he gives us? Because here's the thing. God is just in holding us accountable to the truth that he has revealed to us. He's given us his word. 
And he's shown in his word, this is what's wrong. These are the bad things. Don't do this. These are the good things. Do these. And we have totally botched that up. But also in his word, he makes it clear to us that he sent his one and only son, the son of the ultimate king, not the son of, of the, of, not Belshazzar, son of, of In, but the son of God came to rescue and save us. And that's the good news of Jesus. That's what we get to hang our hats on. That's where our hope is found. Belshazzar did not have such a positive experience when it came to his judgment. Verse 29, then Belshazzar gave the command and Daniel was clothed with purple and a chain of gold was put around his neck and a proclamation was made about him that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom. It's like, wow, thanks, third ruler in the kingdom that's falling tonight. That's a, such an honor. And that very night, Belshazzar, the Chaldean king, was killed. And Darius the Mede received the kingdom, being about 62 years old. And so, Belshazzar immediately experiences the judgment of God. The handwriting was on the wall. Have you ever heard that saying? How many of you guys have heard that before? Handwriting on the wall? That's where it comes from. Daniel chapter 5. And when, there was, when their handwriting was read, Daniel said... You are guilty. Tonight you will die. What happened? That night he died. From history, uh, we have different theories as to exactly how the Syrians got in uh, to Babylon. Some people uh, believe that they diverted the river um, and walked in under the walls. Um, Others believe that they had inside people that just opened the gates for them while this big party was going on. Um, But regardless, that very night, with very little fighting, very little bloodshed, the Syrians come in, they take over, and they execute Belshazzar. And the way that Daniel sees this, the way this is recorded, is what we've seen all through Daniel, is the fact that there's a sovereign God who's in control and in in charge over what's going on. And so it wasn't about the... Daniel doesn't record the great strategies of the Syrian army or anything like that. He just records, here's what God has proclaimed, and here's what happened. And you know what? What God proclaimed happened. It came to pass. And so when we can know this for sure, that when God pronounces judgment, he will follow through with it. And so if you think, oh, well, you know, sin's fun for a while. Jesus is good at forgiving, so... We've got a good relationship. I'm good at sinning. He's good at forgiving. So I keep sinning. He keeps forgiving. We're, everything's great, right? Like this is a, this, everybody's doing what they're good at. Uh, no, just no, all right? Because when God pronounces judgment, he follows through with it. And so let us learn from Belshazzar's bad example today. Let us also learn that not everybody gets multiple chances and multiple opportunities like we saw with Nebuchadnezzar. This is the first time we see Belshazzar anywhere, and really the only time. And immediately he's judged. And so don't take for granted God's grace in the time that you're given to choose him and to follow him with your life. Let's pray together. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for the blood of Jesus. We thank you for the, his goodness and the fact that he died on the cross for us. The fact that he took our place, that he took our sin on him 
and he, he dealt with it. He removed it. He paid the price for it. And so, God, I just pray that you will uh, help us to follow you, follow Jesus. I pray that we also will learn from the mistakes of others. Belshazzar here is judged because he didn't learn from Nebuchadnezzar's lessons. And so, God, help us to learn the lessons of those that have come before us. Help us to learn the lessons that are so clearly recorded for us in Scripture. Help us to learn to walk in faithfulness and goodness before you. Not so that we can earn our salvation, but because we know that by your grace we have been saved. And in response to that, we want to give our lives to you. I pray all of this in the holy name of Jesus Christ.